You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What is up, everybody? It's a 3-0 and edition of the Sunday Smash alongside, uh, let's go with Don Ira, managing editor, Don Ira Hello. of Warchant.com. My name is Tom Lang. Uh, I'm your host tonight. Our own Jeff Cameron did a national show this morning, so uh, I get to sit in this seat, the catbird seat with Mr. Ira. Uh, cheers, buddy. Welcome to Sunday Smash, sir. How are you? I'm good, man. Glad to be here. I, it, it is uh, going back with the red stripe. I'm not, I don't know if it's a Don kind of night. I mean, it's TB, it's TBA. We'll see. We'll see if the Don comes out. But uh, right now, we're just going with the red stripe. I was fully expecting it for a three and O edition, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm sure you'll be coached by the people in the chat as well. Welcome everybody in the chat who's watching Warchant TV. If you would do us a favor, please like the video underneath. Hit the subscribe button to Warchant TV. It's absolutely free. And there will be more and more of you in the chat. Feel free to uh, interact with each other. And if you've got a question for us, we'll see if we can get to it before the show is over tonight. So, Ira, uh, you were on the road a little bit this weekend. You get home safely. Everything working all right? I did. I did. I just got in. Just got back. Long day, buddy. Playing uh, in a tennis tournament, of all things, in, really? down in Orlando. Yeah, it was uh, crazy. We played a te- two matches this morning. A team from uh, – it's not high level. It's like kind of middle level. But uh, a team from Broward, a team from Dade. Yesterday we played a team from Ocala, and uh wasn't the most successful weekend of all time, but it was a good time. It was a good time. They have that USTA center down in Orlando, and we played. It was it's cool, man. There's like college teams playing there and stuff. It was it was really cool. It was a lot of fun. Well, that's wild, man. Well, yeah. thank you for being here because uh, that's a lot of activity on a Sunday. Plus, you got to drive back on. Uh... Yeah, I was fight fighting some leg cramps on the way back. Oh man! But yeah. uh, but we're here, man. It's a three and zero football team. You know how long it's been, Tom, oh, since yeah. the Knolls were three and zero. Yeah, it's been since 2015. Yes. Uh, this is the best September Florida State has had in eons and eons. Ira, this is what we envisioned at some point. When Warchant TV really got going and all these shows, uh, we thought, wouldn't it be nice for Florida State to get off to a hot start? And usually we're talking about what coaches need to be replaced by this time in the calendar uh, the last few years. Instead, Florida State uh, suffers a ton of injuries that, you know, we'll see how things uh, meander this week and what we can report. Uh, but Florida State shows incredible heart, Ira, on the way to a 35-31 win over Louisville. You posted your 3-2-1 column right now. It's up on Warchant.com. You can sign up at Warchant.com for just $1. It's a buck. $1 for one year at Warchant.com. Just head to the homepage. You'll see the green box atop the page, and you get great content like Ira's column. Let's lead off with that, Ira. Uh, what were some of your takeaways uh, that you put in the column? Don't give away the whole thing. And, uh, you know, that, there's been a couple of days between – that game concluding, and now, uh, how do you feel about what you witnessed on Friday night? Well, real quick, before I get to that, uh, you know who else is fired up about this win? Coach Henshaw. Coach yep. Henshaw, we got, an, I think, an emergency Henshaw's house. We got a we got a Henshaw's house coming. Uh, usually, we run him later in the week, but he oh, had a lot right. of things. He I was talking to him last night, and he had a lot of things he wanted to talk about, so we actually have that. Should be coming up on the site, hopefully tonight. If not, it'll be tomorrow morning, but uh, Coach Henshaw had a lot of uh, interesting observations from the game. And I think uh, people can read that as well at this site, but um, uh, you know, man, I, I really do think, you know, I, I, and again, it's kind of a hard thing to point to, but I just, I'm continue to be impressed by the way this team, how resilient they are. And, you know, they're, you know, we, again, because we're out there at practice every day and, you know, we can't always report on what injuries we see and what, what have you, but there have been times we've been out there at practice and, and, and important players, 
go down for whatever reason, or important players can't practice. And like, sometimes as observers were like, Oh man, what are they going to do? Yeah. You know, what, are, but you just don't ever see that. And I know that that's standard. I mean, next man up is standard. All teams strive for, but I think the fact that this team after so long as a program has not been able to do that mm-hmm. for them to, to go through that game and have Jordan go down and Jared verse go down and not have Fabian and Robert Scott go down and Malcolm Ray go down. And, and it's, it sucks. I mean, you don't ever want to see that happen, but for them to just keep plugging away and actually start playing better. And I think that shook LSU to me. Like that was the, one of the biggest take uh, Louisville, excuse me. Yep. One of, that was one of the things that really kind of, uh, I think hit me the next day was I think Louisville expected Florida state to wilt or just fold in the second half. Cause they've seen Florida state, the last several years. And that didn't happen. And instead, Florida State started playing better and harder in certain areas. And I think that kind of shook Louisville. And I think they were surprised by that. And I think that helped uh, FSU get the win. Yeah, Vishal coming from the top rope. Cheers to you and Sean. Hope you're doing well, sir. Crazy win for his Dolphins. They were down 21 points, Ira. And the Dolphins come back and beat the the Ravens today. So he's feeling good. Thanks, Vishal. Yeah, and uh, cheers, everybody. ABC Fine Wine and Spirits throughout the state of Florida supporting the program tonight. You know where to find your local one. Uh, Go find it now. But, yeah, Ira, you know, I was thinking about this yesterday. If you were playing NCAA football or Madden and you had a roster list of Florida State's best players and it's sorted by overall rating, if you went and look at our War Chant Top 40 from the preseason, I mean, you've got six or seven of your top ten players either not available for all of the game or a significant portion of the game. And at halftime, you're down 21 to 14. Uh, if I told you at halftime that Jordan's not coming back <laughs> and that Louisville's going to score 31 total points, you'd say there's a 5% chance Florida State wins. And yet, and yet, here we are talking about that group that is resilient, that fights through it all, and the story of the night has to be Tate Rodemaker and rising from the ashes because it wasn't like he immediately came in and kicked ass, Ira. No. That reception he threw before the break was the confirmation <laughs> that he needed to say – A.J. Duffy, A.J. Duffy, is he alive? Does he have a pulse? And yet they stick with Tate, and Tate makes it pay off. What an unbelievable night for that young man. Yeah, that was really cool. I mean, you know, and again, like we – everybody's focused on the team, and that's the most important thing. Yeah. But but think about – you know, and again, I wrote that story about Jordan Travis uh, that ran over the weekend leading up to the game and ha- on Friday and how – what it was like for Jordan Travis to kind of be booed um, on his home field last year. I mean, this is a kid who grew up as a Florida State fan and watched his brother play baseball at, at Dick Hauser Stadium. And all he wanted to do was play football. Florida State was not offered by Florida State coming out of high school. Then he comes back after Louisville, you know, gets an opportunity to go in the games. And then, like, he's kind of getting booed. And so that's tough. Well, Tate, Tate knows what's out there. Tate knows what people were saying after the spring game or after the Jacksonville State game or after other times he's gotten in there. To stick through it, and and that's one of the things that um, Coach Henshaw talks about in Henshaw's house is like, look, man, there's a another guy that was ahead of him on the depth chart that wasn't going to be patient and left for another school. And Tate, man, just kind of stuck it out, man. And he's and he's and and to have a night like that, we don't know what Tate Rodemaker's career is going to be. We don't know how many more games he's going to play in, or if he's ever going to lead them to another win. But that night, man, he's in Florida State lore. And that's a game, that game and that situation and him hitting those plays, those passes to Johnny Wilson in the second half. I mean, that's stuff that we're going to remember for maybe forever. Oh, I mean, it has to be. And uh, maybe it's the white uniforms, Ira. Maybe that's what uh, Tate needed was the white helmets uh, to put him over the top. But, yeah, some of those throws, like the first one on the deep post, Johnny, they roll the protection out to the right. It's not the greatest protection in the world. Dylan Gibbons lets a guy go by him. And he's got to get rid of that ball now. And it's got to be precise. And it was. Uh, then the touchdown throw to Johnny later. He threw two of them to Johnny Wilson. Right. But the one in the back corner of the end zone, which capped a pretty bad sequence of play call- calling, Ira, where you know, you're trying to trick your way into the end zone on a couple of tries. And then if they handed it off there, it gets blown up. So there's only one option. The degree of difficulty on that throw and, and on that catch for Johnny was absurd. And yet by the end of the night, we're singing Johnny Wilson's praises like we're D-Rob in the preseason. <laughs> it's unbelievable how things can change. And this is why you want to watch the games. You know, there are a lot of things that, that the paper will say. And paper would tell you that the moment that Jordan Travis goes down on Friday night, the ball game is over. And yet, and yet, 
So let's talk a little bit about Johnny Wilson, too, because seven for a buck 49 and two scores, plus all of the pass interference yardage. Ira, what a monster he was on Friday. He was targeted uh, eight times, seven catches for 149 yards. So, I mean, my guy in his career at Arizona State had like 250 yards. And so I think that's why people were not super excited about him when he, when he, I mean, I think people were excited when they saw the measurables mm-hmm. and they, and the fact he was a four star, but then you started looking at what he did at Arizona state and people started asking, well, what happened there? And then you find out, okay, he had a hamstring and he had some drop passes and, and, you, but I think the overriding thing, which Dominic talked about in, in the show where he said he might be uh, better than Kelvin Benjamin at the next level yeah. um, as a pro Um it's it was a bad situation, and by the way, Herm Edwards just got fired today to speak to that situation at Arizona State. But in camp, in pre in the spring when we saw Johnny Wilson, you saw the talent, but he had a lot of drop passes. Really struggled with drop passes in preseason. You saw less of the drop passes, but they still happen sometimes. Mm-hmm. But that game, man, the only pass he doesn't come down with is one he got interfered with. Um, I mean, you know, he and he and he almost caught that one. Um, so yeah, man, I, 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 uh, he's, he's a freak, man. I think he changes this. He changes this entire offense now. What, because you can kind of, you can rip Louisville. Cause like, what were you thinking? Like you thought Jarvis Brownlee was going to guard that guy in man. I mean, that's just impossible, but I give, I'll give Louisville a little bit of a pass because Johnny hadn't been healthy and he hadn't done it more than a couple plays here or there. But man, now that that happened, I mean, the TV guys were saying he looks like an NFL all pro. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. What, what that's going to do for the offense, Ira, too, is it, now you got to commit two sets of eyes and two bodies to Johnny Wilson pre snap, which means that the running game is about to get stronger just by Johnny Wilson being on the field. And oh, by the way, he still blocks really well. So now you've got a potential game changer on your hands in terms of the way a defense, you know, attacks and a, and a defense game plans for Florida State. That's what that night's all about. To Z Chan, the official DMD of working at TV. He's grilling tonight. He's enjoying life. He says he's grilling steaks, enjoying a beer and watching us on Sunday smash. Thank you. Z Chan. Zach is a, always a caller now on the post game show, Ira. So it's, uh, it's nice back in the fold. He is a good guy. And, uh, now he's, I, I will say this though. Now he's got me uh, a little mad that I don't, I didn't grill some steaks tonight. I may have to run to a Publix when we're done. There'll be plenty of time. Sunday smash goes till about eight o'clock Eastern. We're so happy. Everybody is joining us right now. About 700 of you are watching on Warchant TV, do us a favor, hit the like button underneath the video, subscribe to Warchant TV if you have not yet. Evan, thank you so much. We saw that. We saw that contribution as well. Thanks, man. Uh, that means a lot. Um, all right, Ira, the defense. How do we make sense of what we saw? Because the start wasn't pretty, and that had nothing to do with injuries outside of, you know, Fabian Lovett not being around. But they, they did not look prepared for the test at hand, and they had so much time to prepare for Louisville. And this particular offense has been a bugaboo for Adam Fuller. And yet they go right down the field immediately. And you're thinking, my God, this is going to be a Mike Norvell Memphis Cincinnati game from three, four years ago where it's a race to 45. And then they make some stops as the game goes along that keeps it within reach until Tate Rodemaker puts Florida State over the top, which I'm still getting used to saying. Um, How do you sort out what we just watched from the defense on Friday night? Yeah, the first half was was not good. Obviously, uh, you know, part of it I do think it's you know you, you you're you're missing a couple pieces. I also think part of it is Louisville to me, and you weren't. It was Jeff and I in the first half, so I didn't hear what you had to say about it. But it you know it seemed like Louisville was doing a little, lot more running between the tackles, and they it wasn't so much the stretch stuff as what you you're used to seeing. So I mean, I kind of wonder if they caught it caught uh, the defense unawares a little bit. Maybe they changed up some of their blocking schemes, um, but also. The, the the but the big takeaway to me, especially in the second half, is they played really well situationally. Yeah. I thought you know you played well in the red zone. You got some turnovers. You got some big third down, fourth down stops. They broke on some passes. Uh, you know, as the game get on went on, it seemed like the defense started to kind of find its sea legs. I don't know why the first half was so bad, um, yeah. but and that's concerning. But what makes you feel decent is that they did come around. You know, there, there's been a lot of games where you have a first half like that, and then the second half is just more of the same. The fact that they did come around and then played really well situationally, and again, those turnovers, you could see them, they were consciously trying to strip the ball, and and it paid off. And, you know, those are, I mean, those are huge plays. So you can't just say, oh, well, they fumbled. 
I mean, if the defense forces that fumble, that's a huge play. So they had some, they didn't play great. They gave up a ton of yards, but they also turned in some huge plays. What was interesting to me, Ira, was right out the gate. This is something we didn't know. There are a lot of times uh, with Mike Norvell's media policy that we have the jump on where we're going to be looking at pregame to see if somebody's on the field and participating or not. Uh, if Mike hasn't acknowledged it, we still know this is our chance to confirm whether or not a player is going to be available. But when Duke Cooper didn't start the football game at corner, that was a huge surprise to me. Uh, we were together Monday and Tuesday. I didn't think he would be available for – I didn't see the official snap count, Ira, but it looked like maybe one or two snaps. It was one in the red zone for sure. Uh, that Jarion Jones started and Duke never came off the bench really was alarming. And that might have changed the math for Adam Fuller in a big way. And, and we still got to sort out what the hell happened there. Well, and, and, and you know maybe we'll find out more. Mike Norvell will speak to the media on Monday. We'll kind of get back into – we're finally getting into a game week rhythm. Yes. <laughs> because usually we get the coordinators on Monday and uh, Mike Norvell, and so that's a good a good opportunity to hear, you know, sometimes injury information but also just other questions. But, um, you know, whatever Amarian's do, dealing with, and, and I do think there's something physical. Adam Fuller's kind of acknowledged that a couple times. Mike Norvell doesn't so much, but Fuller has. And – uh He's dealing with something physically, yep. and I don't know if it got aggravated on practice at Wednesday when we weren't out there. I don't know if it got aggravated in pregame. You know, I don't know. It's hard. To, we don't know. But whatever it is, it does. It seems like something that's just they're having to battle through because it's not like they've shut him down completely. You know, other than he did miss. Um, you know, he missed the opener. Um, but but for the rest of it, it's it's just like it seems like he might be limited. So I don't know. Yeah, we're just going to see how that plays out. But yeah, it changes. You know, look, man, the 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 cornerback the cornerback room um, was not the strength of this team anyway. If you take him out of the equation, yep. you know, now you're 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 looking much different. And you know, I think it's a fair question. A lot of people have been asking about Xavier Thomas, who looks so so good in preseason camp and back in the spring, and it seems like he's not. They're not ready to pull the trigger and get him out there yet a whole lot. And I'm I'm curious when that'll happen. I mean, it's, it's a huge week of practice uh, the next couple of weeks because if you want a rep at corner, it might be available to you if you can just take it and show the consistency day by day. Yeah, I thought Azaria, just to clear that up because I'm sure we're going to get questions about that in the chat, Azaria came out guns a-blazing in fall camp. But then I, I think he might have hit a little bit of a freshman wall since then. So I, it doesn't surprise me that he's not in the rotation, but they're going to need more answers in that corner rotation. I think that's obviously why they went and got Malik Feaster uh, just as camp was getting going, they still thought that the cornerback room needed help enough that they go, uh, go grab a kid who wasn't even here in the summer to learn the playbook, to learn the concepts of the defense, and he's only a one-year player. So clearly the coaching staff was uh, in the meeting room saying, we need more help at defensive back, and those are the names. Feaster and Azaria, maybe Sam McCall, those are the names that are going to be in the mix well, to maybe uh, battle for some extra reps. And one question, and one question I had for you, because in the second half – like once I got done with the live show, I had to start getting a game story ready and some other stuff for the site. Um, so I wasn't watching quite as closely. Greedy Vance graded out extremely well. Did yeah. you see much from him? Did you? Um, I didn't see a whole ton, which is good. I mean, that, I mean it, was, that, it was 20 plays. I think he played about 20 yeah. plays. Um, it, it's one of those deals where I saw a lot of Jari on for the wrong reasons on replays. You know, it's like, oh man, that's him again. Uh, I didn't see a whole lot at a Greedy Vance. And Renardo Green was solid, Ira. There's a lot of plays that Renardo made where they're running either a mesh or a drag across the field. And so he's got to run through a massive bodies to stay with a receiver. And he would do so. Uh, Renardo was solid as a rock. Kevin Knowles comes away with the pick to seal it. Kevin was up and down. I think at this point, which is just a continuation of a stunning storyline, Renardo green is your most steady corner. And that's somebody before spring practice started, we thought was closer to maybe not being around, right. not for any bad reasons, other than yeah, know, we I, thought he might look to transfer because he yeah. had kind of fallen out. He, you know, he had been starting at safety, then had some injuries, and then you look at you got Akeem Dent and and uh, Jamie Robinson. You're not sure where Renardo fits in, and maybe he'll look to bounce. Yeah. But instead, he, like you said, he takes that corner job. Uh, one, I did want to bring up. Sorry to interrupt you, Tom, but somebody. Yeah. There's been a couple questions about Travis J. Travis J. moved to safety. Uh, he went back to safety, so. Um, he's not in that, that equation really at all anymore. Um, and he has, I mean, for whatever reason, he's not really on the two deep. I mean, so he's not, uh, you know, I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of him. He's running with the scout team on offense to help out last week. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't, he's, I don't think he's going to be the answer to any of these questions anytime soon. 
And speaking of questions, if you want to fire away in the chat, the back half of the program, we're about 20 minutes in. We can do some Q&As as we've done before, Ira and I, here on Sunday Smash. Thank you to everybody who's checked in. Nearly 800 of you now. Hit the like button. Subscribe to War Chant TV. It is absolutely free. All right, Ira, here is one situation that I was pretty fired up in the War Chant watch along in the second half. I was not pleased. Um, they come away with a win anyway. But you have a, a big run by Treshawn Ward called back for a hold. Then he has another big run to wipe away the first and 20, and you're in position to win the game right then and right there with either a touchdown or another first down. There's plenty of room. You're on the edge of the red zone. And Florida State calls traditional, safe, conservative, unlikely to succeed runs in back-to-back-to-back plays. And they leave the game on the foot of the kicker with a four-point lead. And with a miss earlier on, you've got a lot of information too, maybe some stuff from practice, but you have confirmation early that no chip shot is safe and the game is at risk at that point uh, with a fourth down, missed field goal, and uh, Malik Cunningham has the ball down four. What did you think of that sequence? Uh, people can go take a look at the watch along on demand and, and get my thoughts <laughs> on it. <laughs> um, but uh, what did you think of that sequence? Yeah. And um, is this, in your mind, if you didn't like it, just the continuation of maybe Mike Norvell reading the room and, and growing up as a coach on the fly at a place like Florida State? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a good question to ask him this week because it, it was odd. And I wasn't – on first down, I wasn't as – you know, I went back and watched it. You were – I think you were pro- pretty upset right away, I think, on first down or I was, second down. I saying, don't do this now. Right. The first play, I'm like, don't call three of these. Come on, man. And so I just – I kind of was giving him the benefit of the doubt, and I'm like, there's no yeah. way he's going to yeah. run – do this three times. But after second down is when I started texting friends. I texted three separate – group chats with friends and said he better not set this up for a kick. I mean, it just felt, you felt like that's what he was going to do. And it, it, I don't get it. I mean, I don't get it. Even if, you know, look, man, if, if, even if Ryan Fitzgerald is his automatic at this point and he has not been automatic far from it. Yeah. I don't know what the big payoff was. First of all, you're, you're, I think, you have a, you know, again, you've got Johnny Wilson. You've got, you've got tools yep. to yep. to go for the kill. Yes. So to not do that, and then, and what was the benefit of the field goal? Because I think if Louisville, I mean, I think there's a decent chance Louisville, there's a decent chance they go down and score. And if they do, they might go for two, and you lost mm-hmm. a yes. game that you know. So that it just didn't make a whole lot of sense. Right. If it's three or two for the lead and you push it to force them to have to go for a touchdown, you understand the math there a little bit more, but it's four point lead. They're going to need a touchdown either way. And and I don't think we're, we're doing the double standard thing because we said, take the points against LSU. You've got more information. New stuff has come to light, man. And it's not good news. And from the kicking perspective, right. it's not a 15 or sorry, an 18 yard field goal. It's not a, a PAT. It's a little bit longer. He's missed one from a similar distance. And, and, it's, a di- and it's not right before halftime. I mean, it was just a different correct. situation. Yes. And and then Tate has proven that he could make that play. Third and goal right there in that situation when they throw to Johnny for the lead, that's a huge moment in the game because I don't know what he's going to do there on fourth and goal if, if that's an incomplete pass or a run that stopped uh, behind the line of scrimmage. But you've got your backup quarterback who made a play, and you've got your stud receiver who made a play. I don't think – I I wouldn't have been so hard on Mike – if he throws a fade to Johnny on third down and it comes up incomplete, like that wouldn't have bothered me nearly as much, but there are a couple of situations in the second half where I'm going, sir. I mean, now this game is really at risk for the second week in a row. When you feel like it shouldn't have been at risk, you could have ended the game right then and right there. And it didn't happen. The good news is that Florida state's defense got another stop. Right. So and everybody's happy, but the process is still something that I think it's fair to talk about. Don't you? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think here's the thing. I mean, I, you know, and, and you and I have talked a little bit about this, you know, off air. Um, that game to me, again, I, I don't want to look. The players play the game, and I don't want to like give Mike Norvell all the credit when they're three and zero. Just like I don't think it was all his fault when they were zero and four. But the reality is, to me, that was a culture win because yeah. you lost so many guys, you had so many things go wrong. If he hasn't done all the things he's done over the last year or two to get these guys to love each other, to get them to play for each other, to get them to, to believe in each other, to get them to, to not back down. If he hadn't done all that, 
you the game's not close. You're not even in that situation anyway. So you want to give him his roses for that. Mm-hmm. But it is also fair because I mean, there's look, man, there's been some questionable um, decisions. There certainly were in the LSU game, and then and then in this one as well. It, again, it's not like it was disastrous. It's right. just you know. Uh, it didn't. It didn't seem to make sense. Like I, don't, I don't, again, I don't know what the big benefit of a field goal was there. If if you were up by, I don't know six, mm-hmm. then maybe you know, right? Because exactly. now you're making a two score game. Yes, if you're moving it from a field goal to a touchdown that's necessary for Louisville, or if you're moving it from a one score game to a two score game, the payoff is there. You're right. Yeah, like the, the yeah. stakes are there where it makes total sense. But in this case, either way, mm-hmm. Louisville needs a field goal. And the other thing that you know irked me, and again. This is more positive than negative, but you got if Florida State is going to the places that we hope Mike Norvell is taking it, then these kinds of things are going to crop up in games that matter a whole lot more. And so you've got to document them as they happen. But Florida State's sack adjusted rush totals, Ira, I know they had some explosive runs, was over six yards to carry. And you're telling me on first and goal from the one, the series in which Tate hits Johnny Wilson, you can't line up and just run it for a yard. I mean, DJ Lundy a week ago at LSU or two weeks ago. Uh, there was a fullback five yeah. called. So, I mean, and that's against a better defensive front. And yet you have the guts there to give it to the, the fullback, the up man, for a one-yard touchdown run. I just – there are a couple of things there that are concerning. But you're right. This this game doesn't even get to that point up four points without the culture being stronger than the adversity that they face, which is full marks to Mike. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I, they Man, they love the Wyatt Rector direct snap. Uh, I mean, in, you know – and. My favorite play last year, I think, and I think it might have happened in a loss. I can't remember for sure, but the play where they had Rector come over and they snapped it between his legs to Jordan, and Jordan ran for the first down. Um, but they like that play, man. I think he's got some gadgets he likes. And um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what it was. I don't know that it was like trying to be cute. I just, I don't know. Maybe just trying to, maybe just trying to outthink or outsmart um, the defense, but. Yeah, but I mean, look, man. At the end of the day, I mean, you got Johnny Wilson there. Maybe take three shots to Johnny Wilson as opposed to just one. Well, the other thing too is about the design of that play. You got Trey Benson lined up. He's off center. He's he's not behind Rector at the snap, and then he runs up towards the right tackle. It's like, man, the Reggie Bush push is legal these days. Just run into Rector and throw him into the end zone if you need to do that. Uh, There's a couple things to clean up there. But I saw a comment from Ryan that's interesting to me. He says, give eight, as in Treshawn Ward, 20 carries a game. What do you think about the running back room, Ira? Because I thought Lawrence Toafili was the best back early in the game, and then Trey Benson came to life late. Treshawn was more consistent throughout. But would you divvy it up uh, at this point as as uh, the, ride the hot hand, or do you like what you're seeing out of one player in particular? How do you break it down through three games? You know, it would be – it's a question I'd rather answer, like, if you knew what you were going to get from each of them. Because right. I think that's it's been kind of a mixed bag so far, um, and and I mentioned that in my three two one column, and you know somebody thought I was taking shots at Trey Benson. I'm not taking shots at Trey Benson. I think the world of Trey Benson. Yeah, I just think that's not a good defense. They're not a good tackling defense. They're not a good defense overall. You're two hundred fifteen pound monster that should be running through those arm tackles, and the way he did on that drive. That drive was, I mean, I think he. If he ran the way he did on that drive, I mean, he could have had 250 yards against them. So that's so. And then you know, none of the backs looked very good against LSU. Um, now, obviously, that's a much different level of competition. So I I, I want to get see them get to a point where you know what to get from each of them. You know what you're going to get from Trayshawn. You know what you're going to get from Trey Benson and, and Lawrence Tofili. And then now you can make decisions about how you're going to use them. You know, it's like uh, the coaches, old coaches, Adam. At, old coach's adage, just tell me how you're going to screw up and then I can coach around it. Yeah, but yeah. if I don't know what I'm going to get, and I, to me, I think the, the running back room is really good. I think I like it. I still think there's a lot of potential, but I just, to me, there hasn't been enough consistency to really figure it out right now. Yeah. And it'll be an interesting challenge this upcoming week. Uh, look, uh, college football is on acid this year. There's a lot of weird stuff going on. I think some of that is attributed to the fact that uh, you know, COVID eligibility allows for there to be a lot of 22 and 23 year old rosters. So you're getting grown ass men playing against right. young teams. And so that's how maybe low level FBS teams or FCS teams hang around with power five groups as you're seeing week in and week out. So what I say all that, because I mean, no, nothing is guaranteed. A win over Boston college is not guaranteed, 
But if you were going to have a week to play Boston College, it would be this <laughs> right. one. Because how banged up Florida State is. It, it's a it's the right time to be hosting BC 8 p.m. at Doak. First game at home in a month. It's a huge situation for Florida State. And Ira, the number was huge today. We don't really 15? talk a, a ton of gambling. Not a ton of gambling on Sunday Smash. But yeah, 15, I see earlier in the chat that it got up to 16 and a half already. I mean, the number's moving fast. That's got to be a statement more about what BC isn't than what FSU is at this point because we've got a ton of injury stuff to sort out. We don't know who the hell's going to play on Saturday. Yeah, and no, I think it definitely speaks to BC and, you know, and a credit to what Florida State's looked like. I also, you know, again, man, I, I work, people don't realize this. You, I don't know if you know, but like I ran Vegas Insider for a while early in my career. And so, uh, you know, the sports books, they have a lot of injury information. So I would take that as a positive sign. They don't, they're not setting lines. And again, this isn't a huge game. You know, they're going to have a lot more resources devoted to finding out, you know, the high profile games to finding out all the injury information, but they usually, you know, do a pretty good job of, of knowing injury information. So to me, it makes me think that, you know, they're hearing, you know, good stuff. And, you know, Jordan Travis obviously tweeted last night that great news. And it was, it was, it was a vague tweet, but, he knows what he's doing. I don't think he's tweeting that about he got a new truck or something. I mean, he's he's <laughs> he's uh, he's letting people know that he's you know, and I don't know if he's gonna be back this week or not. Um, but yeah, you're right, man. Like in a perfect world, even if some of those guys are available this week, yep. maybe you can rest them. Maybe you don't have to play them much. Maybe you yep. can you know because you've got this stretch coming up: Wake Forest, NC State, and Clemson. That's really gonna kind of determine, I think, the big picture of what this season ends up being. Yeah, and that might be the, the number. I saw Matthew, Director Matthew behind the scenes wipe up, but it's 16 and a half right now. So they're getting to that 17-point watermark here in terms of the action. Uh, but there's the tweet from Jordan Travis. Great news, let's get it. Maybe that number is reflective of Vegas thinking that uh, Florida State's going to have good quarterback play, whether it's Jordan Travis or whether it's Tate Rodman. <laughs> right. And that's just – I'm still going to get used to that. It's going to take some time this week. One thing I would say, look, you know, we are not allowed to report on everything we see at practice. That Those are the terms of the deal. But we get to see a whole lot uh, when you sign up, if you haven't, for Warchant.com for a dollar for the year. And you take a look at the practice observations. There it is. Head to the homepage right now and sign up. Uh, when you read the observations, just look for what names we're talking about. Look for what names we're talking about and who's making plays. And maybe that'll help you um, understand a little bit more without us violating the rules. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if we say that somebody caught a pass and who threw it, note that. Note that this week on warchant.com. And, you know, look, on a big picture standpoint, again, I don't have as much information about the guys that got hurt on Friday night. But yep. but from a big picture standpoint, you know, there's been a lot of feeling around the program that they're targeting getting some guys back to 100% or, or, or more available, um, you know, around that time of the NC State Clemson game maybe around, you know, we give or take either way. And I, you know, we'll see, but I mean, I think Winston Wright could possibly be a guy in that mix. Um, you know, I think there's a couple other guys that haven't been available that they might be back by then. So, you know, I mean, you, again, you're three and oh, you've got Boston college, very winnable game, Wake Forest. I think a very winnable game, even if, I mean, we'll see who's a quarterback, but even either way, I think, I just, I think Florida state's a, a better team than Wake Forest and it's at home. I like Florida state to win that game. You could be looking at five and zero going into that stretch of NC State and Clemson, and you know it would be great to have some of those guys back available. Yeah, uh, I like Florida State's offense's chances of producing in these next two games. The question is, can the defense tighten it up? The Wake Forest game, I circle from a defensive perspective. Sure. How, you know, how, do, are they buttoned up at that point? But if you take care of business this week, that's right, Ira. We'll learn the kickoff time for Wake Forest <laughs> tomorrow. We know BC's an eight PM kick, um, unless they six day option it, of course. But you could be having another night kick in Tallahassee for Wake to go to 5-0. and oh. I mean, heady times around here in Tallahassee. And I saw a question in the chat saying, Tom, what's the weather for Saturday? See, people are already pumped up to come down to Tallahassee if they are uh, if they haven't been in a while. I've, I've got a couple of buddies who uh, were not planning to come to this game who are now from far away oh, yeah. coming into town for this game because they're – they just want to see this team, and this team's likable, man. This team's yeah. like people are excited about this football team. It's easy to root for. That's that culture stuff. I mean, yeah. where you know, just that you see them fight through it. You know the nonsense that they've had to deal with, and yet they just keep plowing away. And uh, eighty-eight for a high, sixty-six for a low. The weather report will change five times this week, uh, dear viewer. Uh, but that's it right now. A couple promo things. I don't have the graphic ready just yet, 
but if you are coming to town, you want to hang out with the Warchant crew on Friday at 530 at Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. That's 2475 Appalachian Parkway. We have the Warchant Happy Hour. Uh, that'll be with Jeff Cameron and Corey Clark. I will be doing the producing at the CP. And then on Saturday, the pregame show, the whole staff is going to be there. Hotel Indigo in College Town. That's Hotel Indigo. Pregame show starts at 5 p.m. Uh, you'll probably see some of the staff members even before we go on the air at 5 p.m. But we've got a whole bunch of coverage between now and then. And mm-hmm. Ira, Ar- go ahead. Well, I think and Corey's going to put on the Zaxby's chicken suit. Is that that's what I heard? I don't know. Is that official? Please tell me he actually did. No. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> great would that be i mean dude okay if they go five and oh Corey, <laughs> putting a challenge out to you right now for the war chant rap please please at least put the head of the <laughs> like like or so you're right and then <laughs> and then just do the full breakdown don't acknowledge it none of you acknowledge it straight right. face. well his face will be straight because it'll be a chicken face <laughs> you just do a breakdown for 20 minutes without even mentioning uh, the chicken suit. I think that would be freaking hilarious. Uh, but there's, a, you know, Ira, it's hard to turn attention all the way to Boston College right now just because of how memorable these last 120 minutes of football have been. What a place Florida State is in now compared to the conversations we were having a year ago, two years ago, three, four, five. This is just a refreshing place to be for Florida State fans and as media members alike. You know, you said it's a likable team or it's a team that's easy to root for. Reminds me, it's, you know, in a different sport, but a little bit of Leonard Hamilton's team, you know? I mean, like, there was a period of time when when Florida State, the, those four years where the men's basketball team did not make the tournament and people were getting frustrated and losing their minds, there was a, it was not a likable team. It was not a team that dove for loose balls. It was not a team that, but man, when Jonathan Isaac came in, Beasley, Bacon, those guys, and then you've got Jonathan Isaac, Diving for loose balls as a seven-foot top-five lottery pick, that changed like how people viewed that team. And, and it's why still to this day, even last season, the crowds are unbelievable. You know, the students come. It's just a, it's a fun team to cheer for. People love cheering for that team. And I think you're going to see that these next couple of weeks. Yeah. It do it, because, it, it I mean, it's been a long time, man. People come up with all the reasons in the world for why you don't go to football games anymore. Uh, the Wi-Fi or, you know, oh, at home I get to watch all the games. And I've got my, you know, my man cave. And they come up with all the different reasons. It's too hot. There's not enough, whatever it is, the concessions aren't great. If you love that team, yeah, you'll go. Or a lot more people will go. And I, I'm really looking forward to seeing these crowds. Yeah, I told Jay, uh, I've got to text Jay at Hotel Indigo. They might want to retain some security for the pregame show on Friday because yeah. it, was really packed. it was packed for Duquesne. And that was the fun part of how the season started. I'm just so happy for all of you, nearly 900 of you out there watching right now and those of you listening on demand on the podcast. You've been desperate. Give us a reason is basically what you said in week one by the attendance, uh, by what we saw at Indigo, what we saw at CP. You know, the crowd at Corner Pocket that Friday night, Ira, was akin to a rivalry weekend crowd for the happy hour show and i'm thinking people are in they are invested this year they just you want to see faith rewarded and it has been so far and i think you're going to see that again this weekend um also i I see a couple questions uh in the chat matthew it's probably time to start wiping some of those up with 20 minutes to go in the program yeah do us a favor everybody hit the like button if you're brand new to the program right night uh, right now uh nearly 900 of you in uh in the chat hit that like button it'll help us out helps us find more FSU fans I I do want to answer some there's been several questions about the polls and the rankings and mm-hmm. look man I I totally expected them to be in the top 25 today in at least one of the polls yeah uh, it's to me it's it's bizarre to me that they're not especially and I retweeted the I don't even know who runs Reddit's college football Twitter account <laughs> but but what they tweeted was very perfect it was I don't know I'd like to talk to the AP voter or the coach voter who has looked, has watched Florida State, all three schools in the state of Florida, Florida State, Florida, and Miami, the big three, yep. watch them play this season and feel like Florida State's the one that shouldn't be ranked. And those other two should. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Now, I don't know what Miami's going to look like in November. And I don't know what Florida, maybe those, maybe they figure some stuff out. But man, if they played right now, I don't have any doubt who the better team is. Yeah. And, and the thing, the way you can argue for Florida State is they're, they're apparently deep enough, Ira that they can lose this many dudes to injury, be down seven at halftime, lose those guys within the course of the game, which changes your game plan on the fly, and you still win against a quarterback like Malik Cunningham, which that's the other thing about the schedule that, to me, 
you just face two quarterbacks that are a nightmare when they break the pocket. I mean, just they're going to terrorize you if you don't get them on the ground. Uh, Dracovic is not that guy. Uh, he's not a complete statue, but you don't have to, you know, wake up in the middle of the night if you're Adam Fuller trying to scheme a plan to stop a, a guy like Jaden Daniels or Malik Cunningham. So uh, that's where we're headed now on the schedule. Boston College, Wake Forest, back-to-back home games. It is sweet to have Florida State back in Tallahassee. And from a work perspective, I like the routine now that we're getting back to Saturday football. Uh, Florida State with wins this year on a Saturday, a Sunday, and a Friday. Let's get back to playing Saturday after Saturday. Ron, see, we see you. We, I agree as well. Uh, I'm shocked that Florida State wasn't ranked in at least one of the polls, but you win this weekend, and I would think they have to be at the point that they're 4-0. So uh, let's see what kind of questions we have tonight, if any, uh, in the chat. I know Director Matthew's pulling it up. Carol is asking, the big one, kicker. Do we have a backup kicker? Uh, Ira, there is one that practices, but uh, what would your take be on that question? Yeah, and the way it works is because, you know, because it's not really a competition, uh, it's not a situation where you're going to split reps. You know, Ryan's been the starter kicker, so he's been the starting kicker for a couple of years. So he might kick, I don't know, of the live reps, 90% of them, 80% of them, maybe sometimes 100% of them. Uh, but you do have another, at least one walk-on, maybe two, um, that, that you know, and the reason they're walk-ons, you don't carry, there was a time when nobody carried any scholarship kickers, but maybe one, uh, you don't have multiple scholarship place kickers. So they have a couple other options. I think, and again, I touched on this in the 3 two, one I think Mike Norvell so de- desperately does not want to give up on guys or make, he doesn't want guys to think he's giving up on them. And I think he wants, and it takes a perfect example, you know, it, Tate has not had success on the field, but Mike Norvell never lets Tate know that he doubts whether or not Tate's ever going to do it. And I think my guess is he wants Ryan to figure this out and it's whatever it is physically or mentally, he's trying to get him to get through it because look, the reality is I've seen the backup kicker. We all, we've seen him. Ryan's better as a kicker. There's a reason he's on scholarship. So if Ryan figures it out, that's who you'd rather have the kick. He's going to have the better leg. He's going to be the guy you'd want. So you want to try to figure that out. And, I, and I'm sure Norvell probably worries, man, if I sit this kid, what's that going to do? But I don't know, man. At this point, maybe it would help. So I, this week, I'm curious to see what he does this week. I am too. Because at some point, we talked about this during practice this week. Ari. We had this conversation on Tuesday of, do you think that um, his math changes and, and, and his decisions on play calling changes if he's between the 20 and the 30, you know, uh, in third and six situations, is he, is he calling a run to get to fourth and three because he wants to go for it on fourth down? Clearly the answer was no uh, on Friday night, given what happened in crunch time. Uh, but that's got to at least be whether or not Ryan bounces back in practice or not. Um, that's got to be a part of the equation moving forward is, at what point do you feel good trotting the kicker out there? And at what point should I go for it? Uh, and that's got to be what we'll see how, how it happens next week. You're right. He believes in kids and it paid off for Tate in a huge way. If we had a, a straw poll of Noel fans who said Tate or AJ at halftime or as the beginning of the third quarter uh, started, it would be 95, five, 98, two, a hundred percent. Noel fans saying it's AJ time during, during the live show. Jeff asked, is there any chance to go to AJ? Yep. I was like, uh, it, it might have been after that first series, which was awful. Yep. But but I, I just don't. He's he was going to ride with Tate. I mean, Tate's his number two quarterback, and I don't think he's going to change that just based on you know small sample size. A couple of people have asked who the kicking coach is. Um, look, there's a special teams coordinator, John Papuchas. Yep. Colleges don't really carry kicking coaches. All of these kickers, any kicker you see in the country has his own personal guy that he deals with, and whether it's Cole's kicking camp or you know, they have these personal – and so they'll send them videos of what they're doing or those coaches will get back to them. Sometimes they work with them personally, but but no college staff, staff really has a kicking coach. They just have a special teams coordinator, but nobody's coaching him on, on his technique really. he's it's that, That's usually between him and whoever his personal kicking coach is. A quick update from Corey Clark who says, I am not going to wear the chicken suit. I'm not a clown. I mean, he, does he care or not? Does he care about this program or not, Tom Lang? Oh, no. This is interesting rhetoric from Ira putting Corey in an absolute position. <laughs> does he care about his job? Does he care about the program? Uh, you could hear Corey's thoughts on the weekend and wake up war chant, which will be available <laughs> on your podcast feeds this morning. 
And uh, did you see something in the chat, or is that just an extra laugh? Or I was just thinking Corey? about Corey. I was just thinking about Corey responding on Wake Up War Chant. Yeah, that, yes, like a message, a closed circuit message uh, from Corey Clark. We'll get to some questions in a second. Uh, there we go, Jason Brown. Okay, I, that I don't know, Jason. I wasn't there. Um, I don't. I don't know if he was observed to have made the trip, but Deucepan was not available, and that was another surprise. Yeah, I didn't see that coming. They ran an end around. Ira, you pointed this out during the watch long. For Darian Williamson, uh, we don't suspect that Darian Williamson is getting the rep on an end around at the expense of no. Deuce Span. Uh, so, I mean, what can we even say about Deuce Span's uh, lack of playing time on Saturday, on Friday night? We don't know. I mean, we really yeah. don't know. And, and, I, and it's and I I was, you know, again, like I, I don't. There's nothing we know of or we knew of that was kind of tr- troubling necessarily from a physical standpoint. And so I, I don't know, I, but Norvell did say, you know, he made the point in the post-game press conference to say there, there were several guys that were not, or multiple guys that were not available, that were not available for this football game. And I think everybody's focused on Fabian Lovett. That was the big one we all focused on going into it. Yeah. But there were multiple guys and he's one of them. And, you know, we'll find out, hopefully we'll find out more from, from Norvell on Monday. Mike Norvell is not obviously very forthcoming with injury information, yeah. but generally he's, he'll give some, if you can read between the lines and we'll try to tell, help you sometimes on the tribal council or whatever, um, uh, you know, you can read between the lines and get a feel for whether or not something is, you know, long-term or short-term or, um, or however you described it last year, the, uh, we're hopeful in the long term. What was it? What was he said about? Oh, was uh, it Winston, Winston Wright? Wright? Uh, Winston Wright will be out indefinitely in the short term. Uh, out indefinitely in the short term. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> Sure. I, I believe I tweeted it too, because I was like, good job, Mike. That's, that's well, I think what he was trying to say there reading between the lines was he's not going to be back anytime soon. Cause that was back in the spring. Right. But I don't think he's out for the year. So oh. I think he threw the short term in there to let you know, right. I'm not saying he's done for 2022, right. but it, don't look for him anytime soon. But, but you could just look at the question asker and say, he's not back anytime soon. Don't ask me for a while. Right. Instead of out indefinitely in the short term. <laughs> okay. That's like instead of making a right, you go past the intersection and make three lefts to make the same point. Z-Chan is back at it again. Thank you, Z-Chan, for the support. Uh, I believe he's getting after fans who are, are looking for, um, you know, excuses to not go to uh, the games. Let's see if we can pull them up. Looks like it. it it's By the way, I also saw my, my guy Steven, my buddy Steven in the chat, saying he's going to be at the BC and Wake games. Oh, really? Um, yeah, man. That's Look, here's the thing especially during these last 10 years, like they haven't been able to get people to go to those games. Cause those are not the marquee games. People want to go to Clemson. They want to go to Florida. They don't want to, they want to go to Miami, but they don't necessarily want to go to BC and even wake, even though wakes a, a good team. Um, just, it's not a high profile team, but yeah. people want to come now because they like this team. Director Matthew is, a, he's in different parts of the world right now. He's a switchboarder for, yeah, so I could see him in the green room. He's doing a great job, and we appreciate what he's doing. Z-Chan said, he might stop by at Indigo. It'd be great to see you. Uh, a lot of the war chanters come support us. It'll be until Indigo Friday, or sorry, Saturday. See, getting back to normal time. Uh, 5 p.m. for the pregame show at Hotel Indigo. They got you covered, too. They've got a buffet spread and a cash bar and air conditioning. So if you like those three things for your tailgating experience, come on up. To Hotel Indigo. Some more questions that we have in the final 10, 12 minutes or so of Sunday Smash. Chris Sanders asks, how did you guys think Josh Farmer played? Mm. You want me to go first or you want to go first on this one? I want you to go first. Okay. Uh, not as well as I thought he would. Right. Um, there were there were times in the second half, a couple of stops where he and Malcolm Ray were on the field together, and there's another guy who went down and Malcolm Ray, um, where they made a couple of good stops. I thought, Ira, if they were going to run their traditional offense, which is to use stretch runs, Josh Farmer was going to eat and shoot the gap because that's what he does. He's so so quick. quick. He's so quick. But I was alarmed. I was legitimately alarmed at how Louisville, who couldn't run consistently on UCF and and Syracuse, um, was able to just blow Florida State off the ball up the middle. It's a different running back they used than in previous weeks. Tyon Evans was their guy, and he was a little bit more slow of foot and kind of a bowling ball type in the first two weeks, but that has nothing to do with the line of scrimmage. And Louisville was able to run the ball uh, right up the gut for most of the game. And that was, that's alarming. I didn't realize that Fabian Love, it mattered that much Ira, but apparently he does. Uh, Preston, I think it's Preston Simpson, P Simpson. I'm guessing it's Preston. Yeah. Anyway, either way, asked if he can uh, buy his shots at Hotel Indigo. And I would say, yeah, I don't think there's any law against it. And if it is Preston Simpson, it would be cool if he showed up, man. Cause we've, uh, 
seen your chats and been entertained by your questions on headlines for a long time. And in all the various shows, it would be cool to meet you. So anybody that wants to come by, you don't have to buy his shots, but it would be cool for people to come by. Yeah. The thing I was thinking about Josh Farmer. And again, this is me. I don't know, man. Like I could be projecting, maybe I'm just hoping, but we watch Josh Farmer in practice, mm-hmm. mostly doing one-on-one reps. Like we, we see him when they do those pass rushing drills, we see him doing, uh, they do some two on three things. They, you know, it's a lot of, um, segmented work and he can be really impressive in that stuff. Yes. He doesn't, he hasn't gotten a ton of at bats in team situations. And there was like a, a couple times they ran like a twist and he looped so far outside. Like you could just tell, I'm sure he was super excited. You know, here's my chance to step in for Josh for, you know, Fabian Lovett. Mm-hmm. And maybe the moment was big for him, but it just looked like he was, I don't know. Just he didn't look like the guy we see in those one-on-one reps or in, or in the other segment of reps. So I think maybe it's a learning experience for him. Um, and, and we'll get more out of him because my, my point is, I think that kid's got a ton of potential. I'm not going to let that game. I didn't think he played well either. I agree with you, but I'm not going to let that make me think he can't play. It's just, man, he hasn't really been thrown in a situation like that before. Correct. And here's what I would say. Um, Fabian dominates practice and that would, that stands to reason, you know, that dude's an unbelievable player. Josh Farmer at times this camp and consistently in practice since fall camp started does the same things that Fabian does for stretches, just straight dominates the same drills in the same way as a redshirt freshman. Yes. The the ability is there. Um, I thought Jared Jackson was up and down as well in the interior that, they might have a couple of issues there, but hopefully given that Boston College offensive line is just, I mean, a mash unit itself, that won't be too much of a concern. Uh, but kind of like with the corners this week against Louisville, I, I was asking myself, how how susceptible are you <laughs> to a passing attack? I'm going to be looking at the defensive interior this week against Boston College for the APM kick. Thank you, Chris, for the question. Uh, next question comes from Gunner. Question for the chat. Uh, <laughs> what tastes better to y'all, bottles or cans? It's also for us, too. Uh, that's a good one. Depending upon the beer, I have a, I have a preference. So for example, I never want to have a Corona in a can. I only want Corona in a bottle. I never want Natty in a bottle. I want Natty in a can like the shotgun I did right here in this room on Friday night. What do you think? Ira, you're holding a bottle of red stripe. Yeah, I, I'm more bottles, but, but dude, I don't really care. I mean, I don't have a refined palate, uh, in general, and so uh, it's it, it doesn't matter that much to me, All but right. um, I'm but more yeah, but uh, uh, the red stripe is my drink, so uh, I'll go bottles. Uh, Ninety three no leg sweeper says Wake Forest did not look good. If we get by a BC, can we win with tape? Yeah, absolutely. That's an easy answer. Would you agree, Ira? I do, and and somebody you know again, I I kind of I just said I, I, in the three two one, I kind of made a comment about you know being pretty confident that they they can get through these next couple games before they get all these other guys back, if they can get them back. Um, and look, man, I just, that game last year was ridiculous. I mean, I, I, I the, it was McKenzie giving them the ball 15 times, yep. the, the him running the option. I mean, it was just, there were so many dumb things about that football game and it wasn't Florida State just gave them that game. They have some nice players. Sam Harbin's a nice quarterback. AT Perry's a nice receiver. They're going to score points. I agree with you. They're going to score points. They're going to move the football, but man, they're not going to stop Florida State's offense. They're not going to stop that running game. They're not going to stop Johnny Wilson. They're going to, Florida State's going to be able to put together a lot of scoring drives against Wake Forest defense. And I think at home, you're going to have more success over the course of an entire game than they are offensively. But yeah, man, you obviously you'd love to have Jordan Travis. If Jordan Travis plays, I've I've thought that game was a win all off season with Tate. I still think it's a win, but yeah, man, you, you, your defense is going to have to get a couple stops. Yeah, and that's that's the thing that we're watching closely, I think, the next few weeks. Uh, Ralph, I see you, brother. I'm not going to brag and not say that Jamie didn't smoke me in the shotgun. She did. My you wife, told, I, you yeah. told me that. I hadn't seen it. Oh, man. And I you were it. kind of you were kind of bragging about the fact that you did okay. You didn't have any well, mess or anything. Not bragging. Good. Yes, I saw somebody else said, your carpet still smells like beer, Tom. Like, not not me. I could tell you, if, if you look at the pods of the two people doing the shotgun, one was clean and dry. The other was not so much, uh, and certainly not like Gene. Gene was covered in beer <laughs> after the LSU game. Uh, I will brag about the cleanliness of the shotgun, Ralph, but I will not brag that I smoked everybody else because that's just not true. Uh, another question, uh, FSU-related question. 
on Sunday Smash comes from, let's see, who is next? Curtis. What do we think uh, the attendance will be for the BC game? Will we sell it out? Well, the student section, first of all, is definitely going to be sold out. They sold it out for Duquesne. So you can check that box right there. I think if there are tickets available, Ira, for an 8 p.m. kick, which means that the weather, I know, I know, but the weather will be better. It won't uh, be stifling. It won't be stifling hot. I think the walk-up would be big enough to sell it out if they don't before Saturday. What do you think? Uh, I think it could. I mean, it's going to be a great crowd. I don't know whether it's a sellout or not. I think it's going to be a great crowd. Again, like just my barometer being people I know who weren't planning to go, who are now planning to go, tells me that's that's going to be multiplied, and you're going to have a lot of people. Um, uh, Pensacola, uh, sorry to do Matthew's job. Somebody, Pensacola Pack Buster asked if we think Patrick Payton starts for the rest of the year if for some reason Burst is not available. I wanted to, I just the reason I bring that up is I wanted to see what you thought about Peyton uh, in that game. Um, you know, there are a couple of plays he made that show great football instincts. There was one tackle he made. It reminded me of Bjorn Werner where uh, it's a play, it's a completion or a run. After, I think it's a completion out to the left side. And he leaves his responsibility to the line of scrimmage and makes a tackle away from the box, which is it just shows me that he's got the IQ on top of the fact that it's tough to replicate that speed that Patrick Payton has. I think he'd be in the rotation. Uh, I wish, for example, um, in the final drive for for LSU, that in a situation where you have three down linemen, Patrick Payton needs to be one of them. If it's not going to be Verse and McClendon, uh, then Patrick Payton needs to be in the rotation. So we'll see what the deal is with Verse. We all the replay did not look good, but you never know. You never know. Uh, but I think Payton might get some more time. Ira, the snap count was pretty high, so clearly they they think he's he's almost arrived. Yeah, he's a nice player. I mean, I really think he's, he's got a lot of potential. That's the thing about the young defensive line. I liked the guys they brought in last year, mm-hmm. Patrick Payton. Uh, I think uh, we haven't really seen him yet, but Byron Turner, I think, has potential. Um, Josh Farmer came in last year. Uh, we really, I'm very excited about him, notwithstanding how he played the other night. But then the freshman defensive lineman they have now that we, you and I watch a lot of practice, yep. Dan- Daniel Lyons. I mean, they've got some nice players in that group. Um, yeah. you know, that there's, there's some real potential in that defensive line group. Yeah. And who knows Dante Anderson might be a player. Yes. I like Dante group. Anderson. I know you're a big fan of him to mm-hmm. who can't play this year, but looks solid to Yes. Yes. Yeah. And uh, Bishop Thomas too. Yeah. They're loaded uh, for the next couple of years and I'm sure they'll add a couple of pieces along the way. And if you're a, a defensive end transfer, why wouldn't you come to Florida state at this point? My God, uh, the amount of film that uh, Jermaine Johnson, Keir Thomas put out there. And now even within a couple of weeks, the Jared verse film, these guys are getting paid when they come to Tallahassee, and that, that that matters in the era of the transfer portal. Mike's reputation is just rising as somebody who can take you to that next level and go make you some money. Thank you, Pensacola Packbuster. Last few uh, questions for tonight. Whatever you've got starred, Matthew, will go with. Khalil Young asks, how do you guys feel about the wide receiver tight end play and development so far this season? I love this question. Uh, it's up to you, Ira, if you want to take lead off or second, but I love this question. Thank you. If you, if you, if you love it, I'm going to let oh, you take it. Man. Because I love the play. I love what I'm seeing. Um, you know, Wyatt Rector has been a good player for Florida State this year. I don't know if Marquiston got hurt in the game because uh, he was on the field early. Uh, you saw a lot more Preston Daniel late. Uh, Preston Daniel has a, has a touchdown catch. He turned a couple of guys loose in, in, in run blocking and protections, but then he also made a couple of really nice blocks. Um, you know, Cam has the big catch on the first play from scrimmage for Florida State's offense. I, I just They've got a pulse at tight end now. Whereas I didn't think they would in preseason. So that's that's on coaching, and, and they're getting a lot out of those players. I think Marquiston is actually going to be a pretty good weapon for Florida State uh, in the not-too-distant future. And at receiver, look, man, we're not talking about drops today. Right. We're not, I mean, and that was a big topic in spring and in fall camp and even through the first couple of games. But we didn't talk about – if they drop a couple of those passes like Johnny on the deep post, maybe you don't win the ball game. But they didn't drop the ball, Ira. So I just – I love the development that I'm seeing out of both of those positions. Yeah, and, and real quick on the tight end, also, and I, you didn't mention him, but not because you don't think this, but Brian Courtney, I think, has a lot of potential at oh. tight end as well down the future. I mean, yep. he might be he might be a big-time tight end for Florida State yes. uh, be- before not too much longer. Um, but uh, at wide receiver, another play that we don't really talk about because it was early in the game and it, there was so much else happened, but I thought that catch by Malik McClain in the end zone was a big deal. I mean, I thought that was good for him to make that catch. And – you know, he's a guy that, again, I still think his best football is ahead of him. And then we kind of mentioned him earlier in passing, but Darian Williamson, I'll tell you, man, I think there's something special there. That kid, that kid's got a chance to be special. He is 
a phenomenal athlete, has not practiced a lot this preseason because he different injury or whatever he's dealing with. Yep. But he is uh he's you didn't see it on the the end around, but I mean I think he's a guy that uh uh will make a lot of plays for for this receiving so to your point, they have developed uh some receivers and tight ends. Yeah, and, and Micah Pittman had one catch for seven yards in this game. Yeah. And and trust me, I thought he was gonna be a much bigger part of the game plan in terms of production. Sometimes the targets just don't work out. Like that that happens. But it's not for a lack of production and practice. So, you know, I think Micah Pittman's still going to have his day. And Winston Wright is on the horizon. You know, I'd, I'd put it um, in the next month, I expect that he would play. That's just me right. looking away because Mike commented on him this week, being able to run some routes and working at kick returns. It, it's not imminent. I don't think his return is imminent, but I think it's it's not that far away. So right. that would even make this receiving core more robust. And it's, also, uh, it's indefinite in the short term, Tom. There you go. That's exactly right. And, and Deuce Fan's <laughs> development is nothing to sneeze at either because no, he looks 100%. like he's not thinking as much anymore. So full marks uh, to both of those segment groups for getting the most out of what they're doing. Let's see. Do we have one more remaining? One more. I see it. There it is. He's like Chet Stedman and Rookie of the Year. One more. Chris from Perry. How's Rod Orr been looking at practice? Hmm. Now that's an obscure question, but I understand why, I understand why you're asking it because tackle depth is not that great right now. Um, I will answer it this way, Ira. I think after Robert Scott and Jazz, because Bless Harris is out for the year, Darius Washington is your next tackle. And then I think it's either Julian or uh, Lloyd Willis uh, are your next tackles. That's probably how I'd answer that question. What, what would you say? Yeah, I think so. And and look, Rob looks the part. I mean, he he he. You know, when they signed him, he's a good-looking kid. Um, got a good big frame. Um, I I kind I may be wrong on this, but I kind of think he didn't have a ton of experience coming in. Like, was more of a project. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know that he's imminent. He's not in it again. He's not one of the names you're going to think of as is going to be a, if they do have a problem. It offensive tackle if, if Robert Scott misses more time than just uh, the end of that game. Um, he, he's not going to factor in, but you mentioned, I think you mentioned the other day, Lloyd Willis is starting to kind of maybe kind of get a re a rebirth at practice. Cause yeah, there have been times where back in the spring, they tried to really force feed Lloyd Willis. And cause it was before they brought in Justin Turnatine and bless Harris or, or they had brought him blessed, but they wanted to see what Lloyd could do. And they really kind of force fed him stuff in the spring. It just didn't seem to happen. Nope. And so he kind of like fell back down a little bit, but it seems like he's been maybe earning some trust again. So, so I yeah. think Lloyd, if you're, if you're not talking about, you know, Darius and then Armella probably might be the next guy. I think, yeah, I think you're right on with Lloyd Wills. Yeah. Lloyd, uh, every once in a while I go, Oh, okay, Lloyd. All right. I see you working there like that. That is where Lloyd is right now. I don't think Rod's just, he's not in that conversation, but thank you for the question. We'll do some promoing in just a second. Uh, a reminder to the nearly 1000 of you tuned in for Sunday smash. We love these huge numbers because that means your passion is there and you make the world go around for us at Warchant.com and Warchant TV. Do us a favor and hit the like underneath the video. Subscribe to Warchant TV. It's absolutely free. And if you haven't done so, I mean, they're going to pull this deal at some point. I'm not on the corporate meetings, but head to Warchant.com. It's a dollar for the year. You won't be disappointed. We're going to do great work for you. We are already doing some awesome work covering Florida State football, and you've got stuff like Iris columns, Corey stuff. I do breakdowns of, of big plays and things like that with a third and land column. You won't yes. be disappointed, and you'll join an 11,000-plus strong Florida State fan base on the message boards, and you can chat it up uh, with FSU fans who are as passionate about the Knowles as you are. So let's do some promoing, Ira, what we can expect the next couple of days as we get into a routine game week. Tomorrow, uh, the coaches, Mike Norvell, and the coordinators speak to the media just before lunchtime, so we'll have content from that on the boards, on the site, and on Warchant TV. we got Wake Up Warchant coming up. Uh, that pod usually drops at midnight with Aslan and Corey, their thoughts as we get to BC week and then a whole lot more this week. Uh, what do yeah. you, uh, what do you see coming up on the site? Yeah. So we've got uh, Henshaw's house, as I mentioned, coach Henshaw, longtime NFL and college assistant coach who does uh, weekly Q and A's with us. Uh, that one's already in the hopper might be up on the website tonight. If not first thing in the morning, uh, talking about the, the, the Louisville game, but then also talking about this team and some big picture topics. There's a, it's a really good uh, episode or edition of, of Henshaw's house. Uh, I, Michael also did a recruiting mailbag the other day that I haven't published yet. I'm going to try to get that published uh, on the site. And then, as you said, now we're actually in a normal game week on Monday. We get the coordinator interviews, and there'll be tons of questions to ask Mike Norvell, 
uh, Adam Fuller, John Papuchis, and Alex Atkins tomorrow at the press conferences, which start at 11.30. They wrap up around 12.30 and, or 12.30 to 1.00. And uh, we'll have complete coverage uh, of that. And uh, we'll start getting ready for BC Week. And there you go. We'll react to whatever Mike says at 1 o'clock on the Jeff Cameron Show, which is live here on Warchan TV, 1 p.m. Ira will be on at 2.30 Eastern time on Monday's Jeff Cameron Show. Uh, so we'll have reaction to whatever news we get. We're hoping we get some nuggets. Uh, I don't know. The way Mike is with injuries, you just you never know what you're going to get. So we will see. Chris, thank you so much. And I saw Timothy Dangerfield in there in the chat. Matthew, you don't have to grab him. Don't worry about it. But he just said he's excited to be uh, here and, and uh, watching Knowles coverage and interacting with Knowles. So thank you and welcome, Timothy. We hope that you make your way back. Yep. Also, don't forget, I don't know if you mentioned the Friday, the happy hour with Jeff and Corey yep. over at Corner Pocket. That's right. So there's a lot of opportunities to not just consume the content for a buck at warchant.com, but we have more of these opportunities to kind of to kind of interact and meet and, and share stories and all that. And Corey and Jeff and you will be there, I'm sure, at the CP yep. on Friday from 5.30. Is it 5.30 or 5? 5.30. Uh, 5.30. Yeah, last year was 5. This year it's 5.30 to 6.30. And uh, it's going to be a fun show because I it's going to be packed. I'm going to have to yeah. rope off an area for us to set up <laughs> because uh, last time it was packed, and that was Duquesne. So I anticipate a really good crowd Friday. Get there early and enjoy some cold beers and some delicious food. And then, and then come to Hotel Indigo on Saturday. That's right. 5 p.m. for the pregame show on Saturday at Hotel Indigo. We'll leave you with a parting thought from Scott Kinnebrew. Thank God for ESPN. We're number 23, he says, uh, in ESPN's power rankings. So there you go. Florida State is ranked somewhere, folks. Uh, and it's the mighty ESPN that loves Florida State that actually puts them in the top 25 of some kind of power rating system. Uh, for Ira Tufel, <laughs> the managing editor, Don Ira, he will return. Don Ira will return one day uh, of Warchant.com. That Wake Forest win is going to bring the Don back oh, out. Oh, okay. All right. That's good. Cheers to you, sir. I enjoyed the last hour. <laughs> Uh, My name is Tom Lang, Director Matthew behind the scenes. We appreciate you going in full octopus mode to make this thing happen. This has been Sunday Smash. Hit that like button on the way out if you haven't, and support us at Warchant.com and Warchant TV. Good night, everybody. Good night.